Welcome to episode number 75 of the Grab Blogger podcast. This is a podcast where helping academics change the world through online business. We're helping you by giving you the tools, the tips, the strategies you need to build an online business around your research experience, around your expertise, and around the change you want to make in the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're talking about the role of academics in entrepreneurship. We're doing that with a very special guest, Dr. I. Addison Zhang from classroomwithoutwalls.ai. Dr. I, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Chris. I am very excited. I'm very excited as well. And anyone that follows your work will know that um, your videos and your audio interviews are very energetic and filled with uh, you know a lot of great information. So I'm excited for this this discussion. Oh, thank you. I came across Dr. I's work from some recommendations of other people we've had on the podcast before, like Dr. Katie Linder and others. She has a really unique story about transitioning from academia to entrepreneurship. And in this episode, we're going to talk about that story. We're going to talk about her journey. What is Classroom Without Walls? We're going to talk about how academics can start in building a business and why they should consider joining entrepreneurship. And then we're going to move in some technical topics around increasing your reach online, social media, partnering, and maybe media companies, and host other topics I know that Dr. I has a, an immense amount of knowledge about. So we're going to cover a lot. Um, as always, the transcripts for this episode will be available at grabliar.com slash 75. So if we, you have something you really want to dive into, you can go grab those transcripts there. So Dr. I, and is it okay if I call you Dr. I so I don't have to? Oh, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Please. That's how I know you from your, your work. So Dr. I, can you share some of your story and how you get started in entrepreneurship? Yeah, totally. So I taught uh, in, uh, in the classroom for 10 plus years. I spent almost two decades uh, in higher education. And a few years into my teaching career, and I, I truly believe, I felt like the education model is broken. And on so many uh, levels, like for example, students are very uh, disengaged. And sometimes I joke, you know, education is the only industry that when people pay the money, they don't really want to receive the surveys. I say that because every time when I had to go to a conference or when I had to speak at an event, I had to cancel my class. Students, they seemed to be so overly excited. And also like, uh, for example, the questions that I got asked a lot by my students are, Dr. I, will this be on the exam? Dr. I, is this an A idea, a B idea, or C idea? Dr. I, if I go to your event, right, can you give me a point? So that is not why I wanted to become a teacher. I became a teacher to really see the spark in my students' eyes to actually engage in intellectual discussions with my students. But I don't feel like I have anything like that. And uh, so at the same time, and uh, I give birth to my own children, I have two young boys. Now I noticed that what I'm seeing in my own undergraduate students in the classroom, I started to notice in my own children, my eight years old, so when he was seven years old last year, and he started to complain about school. And prior to that point, he loves learning. Like my, my younger son, five years old, loves learning, very imaginative, very curious. Then my older son, seven years old, he told us, mommy, daddy, I don't want to go to school. It is so boring. I'm not learning anything, blah, blah, blah. It has become a huge challenge every day in the morning to get him up and going. And so I was like, wow, this is so sad. Right? What I'm seeing in my own students, you know, 18 years old, 20 years old, 
I started to see in my own children. And at the same time, I was really, uh, I was on sabbatical. And I started to, besides my own research, I started to actually learn about things that I personally feel passionate about, not just my academic research. So that's when I kind of discovered entrepreneurship. I started to listen to podcasts and reading books. So all of those factors combined. And also I hit mid-age crisis. And I asked myself, I, do you want to be part of the problem or you want to be part of the solution? Because teaching at the time was already uh, not enjoyable to me. And it was like a mask I put on every semester and uh, before the class started. And so I decided, you know, to be part of the solution, to really do my best to crack the educational model, you know, to build a new model. So one of my favorite quotes is, the master's tools cannot dismantle the master's house. So I tried to innovate within the the educational system. But every time when I tried to change them, they are actually changing me. So that's kind of, I decided to to resign from my associate professor position and uh, to build my my own school, which is, you mentioned earlier, Chris, a classroom without walls. So now seeing the transformation in my own students within a matter of like 10 days, like a few weeks, I truly believe children are not the problem, but the way that we are educating our students is very problematic. You know, like the question while we're still teaching inside the classroom, I always complained about my students, right? Like they are so entitled, they can't focus, they have ADHD, this and that. So I, I asked myself and uh, even among my coworkers, like what is wrong? with our students. But today, I think I'm asking a much better question, which is what is wrong with our educational system? I'm really uh, thankful for the journey that I have embarked on. And I think it is the best decision I have ever made for myself. And I have grown so much. I think this is the best PhD degree that I could probably give to myself as opposed to my master and all the academic degrees that I have uh, earned. So starting my own company, you know, becoming an entrepreneur, becoming a consultant, doing all those things have not only taught me so much about running a business, but also taught me so much about myself. Who am I? When I'm really passionate about life, what do I want to do? I'm like a new person, you know, earlier when I was listening to all the other podcasts, people say, I love Monday. I love Tuesday. I was like, those people are liars. How can they love Monday? Right? I could never resonate with those messages. But now I can touch my heart. I can genuinely say that I love Monday. I love Friday. I love weekend. I love my life. I love every single day in my life. So it is not only a professional transformation, but more so a personal transformation. So that's kind of my journey. Oh, I love it. And so I want to frame a couple of things and I want to dive into a couple of things deeper. So you mentioned you, you had two decades in higher education. What were you teaching during that time? What kind of courses and topics were you teaching about? Yeah, so I was teaching uh, my, my master and PhD are both in public relations. So I was teaching public relations, but later as the social media has become a lot more popular. So I actually started to teach more social media classes. 
So this is actually a great question. Uh, before I decided to resign, so I noticed that, you know, my actually my students complained. They were like, oh, Dr. Hai, you know, so many theories, like so many theories because I went to Syracuse. I went to University of Maryland. Like the only thing I learned, I have great teachers, but the only thing I learned is like theory, right? Very academic, research, research, very research focused. So I don't really have any professional experience. So I asked myself, you know, if I wanted to teach PR or social media better, what should I do to be a better teacher? So for me, the answer at the time is to become a practitioner. So I decided finally what I was teaching in the classroom and I was also practicing. And that is when I became really active on Twitter, on different so Snapchat back then, and quite a few different channels. And also three years ago, I launched my very first live streaming podcast where I interviewed industry leaders such as uh, Seth Golden, uh, Mark Schaefer, Guy Kawasaki. So those people come into my Facebook Live back then to share their knowledge so that my students are not only learning from me, this like academic, but they are actually learning what matters in the real industry from people who are actually practicing social media, PR, and marketing, and personal branding. So as I was doing that, even though my intention was to be a better teacher, I didn't know that the content I'm putting out online is actually building my personal brand. And my biggest aha moment was someone reached out to me and asked me to be a keynote speaker and paid me. I was like, wow, this is so interesting. So, and then after that kind of aha moment, I started to be more serious about kind of building my personal brand, being more consistent with how I want to show up, you know, producing content. So, yeah. I love that. And that helps a lot. When, when did you actually leave your position as associate professor and maybe around that timeline, like when did you get started online? When did you start doing some entrepreneurship work? When did you decide to go full-time? Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so I think uh, I had kind of my, I decided to become a practitioner, like, you know, uh, to practice what I was teaching. I think that was spring break uh, 2015, so five years ago, five years ago. And uh, so I officially resigned from my position last year uh, in summer. So officially i'm on this journey for about one year oh, i love it and so the reason that I'm, I'm framing some of these is because if you if you google dr i addison zhang um you'll find a lot of material and she's mentioned some people that i've mentioned on the podcast like my i call them virtual mentors but my my idols like seth Godin, people that i've read a lot about and interviews with people like neil patel guy kawasaki articles in forbes entrepreneur inside higher ed she's doing training with SCM rush so I wanted to frame that, you know, you've been doing the entrepreneurship in Classroom Without Walls for um, a, about a year or even maybe before that, but you left your position before that. But it's not, I mean, I'd say the entire duration of you being a practitioner is not a, an amazingly long time, but the amount of reach that you have and the amount of people you've connected to is exceptional, I think. And I, I just, I, I was very um, intrigued by that. So I want to kind of lay that duality out there and maybe we can kind of talk around some of those. Totally. Uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's very kind of you. Yeah, I think for me is like truly everything I did in the beginning was I really wanted to be a better teacher. 
you know, I was, my husband, uh, those days, I was crying a lot. I was like, this is not working. What can I do to really help students to, to gain those skills? Like lots of compassion for the students. And uh, I think when you have a big enough like vision and mission, wanting to be a better teacher, wanting to disrupt the old educational system, I think people want to join this as a movement, right? So for me, Classroom Without Wars, of course, it is my brand, it is my business, but I want to grow this as a movement. So I want maybe listeners can ask, you know, whatever they are interested in doing and passionate about, how can that be a movement, right? And like a big enough vision and mission that other people want to be a part of this. So I still remember, I love Seth Golden. He actually inspired me to resign to start my, my second live streaming podcast, which is titled, What is School For? So on that show, we discuss, debate, and disrupt education. It's really inspired by my interview with Seth Golden. But I still remember when I emailed Seth Golden, I was like, oh my God, he's never going to respond or his assistant is never going to get back to me. Who am I? But I emailed him. He got back to me like 10 minutes later. I just can't believe it. So I, I, That's crazy. Yeah, because I know he's kind of anti the traditional education. And uh, he was like, yeah, I love what you're doing. He checked out my content. And he's like, yeah, this is a very important mission. And I'm aligned. I want to be on your show. And so let's do it in three days. I was in my mind, I was like, I need at least one month to be prepared, right? And, uh, and he said, yeah, like, let's do the interview in three days. So we did the interview in three days. Yeah, it was it was remarkable. Pretty much everyone, Guy Kawasaki, I reached out to Neil Patel. And they, they love the mission. They love what I'm doing. So I think, I think that is kind of one advantage that I have doing this. And there are not many professors kind of do what I do. And uh, I even, even to this day, I still haven't told my parents that I resigned from my job. I don't think they will understand, right? <laughs> Hopefully, if they're listening to this show, then no, I'm just, I don't expect them to listen to this one. <laughs> no, they... they <laughs> They don't listen to podcasts, but yeah. And so I think that is kind of what's really helped me grow and uh, to, to, to build this network. And once you get a few, just to be honest with you and your listeners, once you get a few big name people and you can just leverage them, hey, on my show, I interview, you know, Guy Kawasaki, Seth Golden, this, this and that. And people are like, oh, wow, that is so cool. I want to be a part, like, on the show. I want to be a part of this movement, you know, changing education, building this digital online space. Uh, it is a lot easier for me to get people nowadays compared to, like, three years ago. So I want to compare this to my journey because my journey is in a totally different field. But there's a lot of common elements, and I think it will be instructive to the audience. So... Um, Dr. I probably doesn't know this, but my my PhD degree is in chemical engineering. I focus on industrial safety, specifically fire and explosion protection um, in different industries. So that's my academic research, my academic degree. The listeners will know that I run dustsafetyscience.com, um, which is a, a website totally devoted to that field, to saving lives and, and stopping people from, from dying, these type of um, explosions that happen around the world. But I was, at the same time, there's a need, so a desire. Your desire was be a better teacher, a practitioner. I love what you said. 
will this be on the exam? You know what that's quote for? That's quote for, do I have to listen? <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, do I have to pay attention to what you're about to say? Oh, it's not an exam. Okay, we'll clock out. Or they will say, sorry to interrupt you. They will, they will ask me, hey, uh, if they miss a class, they will ask, hey, did I miss anything important? I'm like, you know what? I never discuss anything important. So it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's a desire there, right? And for me, it was, I was a, an academic. I was doing research in the physics and chemistry of these type of explosions. But I really felt like there's a huge gap between what industry was doing and actually applying in the practice of what I was studying, that it, it was just, it, the, we were light years away. Industry didn't come to academic conferences. Academics didn't go to industry conferences. Um, that's what inspired me really to start my blog on industrial explosions, which I had never thought would be a, a business, but fast forward to you know five years now and it is today. But what I did, I read Tribes and I probably, I think episode two of the podcast was on this. I read Tribes twice before going to the largest trade show in my industry in Chicago. And I was had center stage, 250 people in the room. And I was worried because the whole point of the business I was starting at the time was our mission, our internal mission. And you talked about this setting a mission and creating a movement and causing a ruckus. My mission was to see a year with zero fatalities worldwide by 2038. But I was totally nervous about saying that in front of a room of 250 people Literally, I launched my company the day after I defended my PhD thesis. And this presentation was seven days later in, in a different country. I'm in Canada. <laughs> but I read Tribes again on the plane on the way there. And it was the be remarkable. It's like, that's a remarkable message. People will resonate with that message. Um, so I got up, said, this is the company I'm launching. This is why we're doing it. This are the different elements of what we're doing. And this is our, our, our mission. This is what we're going to do. Um, we're going to identify why these fatalities happen how to stop them, what are the the constraints that are stopping us as a community from, from allowing them to happen. And we're going to break those one by one in every country around the world. And it was a remarkable message. But the thing that was interesting is that people really responded. So we went to sign 10 member companies as part of our advertising business model, which um, the, the audience will know about. And the first two were like super fans. They joined up right away. The middle three or four were you know, they, they really resonated with the message and liked it. And then the other ones were like, I got to get in because, because this other person did it. So that's sort of like your guy Kawasaki or your, your Seth Godin interview. Now people just want to be involved in something that's big. They want to be involved in a movement. And I just, I want to share that because I saw the parallels as you're talking about your story of this, find a desire, make a mission and a movement around it. And then the key and where most people get tripped up, actually a lot of people get tripped up and not creating a, a, a remarkable mission. So do that. But after you do that, then start, doing stuff. So for you, you create a video podcast. For me, I created a, the world's only podcast on dust explosions. But do something. Start creating stuff in your space. And it's very, very powerful to make change. Oh, resonated so much with me. So we talked a bit about how to get started. And these are one, you know, go read some of Seth Godin's books and, and Leap First is another one that I really like. So don't be scared to put yourself out there. But I want to flip this on its head a bit because I know you do a lot of interviews and you're sort of thought leader in the space of academics and entrepreneurship. What do you think in terms of academics, what role do we have in the entrepreneurship landscape? And you know, where what should we be doing to try to change the world with entrepreneurship? Totally. I, I think as I mentioned earlier, like becoming an entrepreneur 
for me is both a, a professional transformation and a personal transformation from the inside out. I think there are many, many skills that can be translated into the business uh, space as an educator or teacher. Like, for example, our ability to design curriculum. Like right now I'm running my own school. I use that skill all the time. I'm the person designing my curriculum and also research skills. And uh, writing is also very important, but I do have to unlearn some of the academic writing to make them work in the social media space and to learn how I can use more emotional language and to embody, like, you know, using the word like, I believe this, I think this, which is something that I'm not used to do. But like writing is a good skill that I have. I still use that. And I, I think another one is uh, improvising and uh, communication and um, and interpersonal skills. Like, for example, you have a podcast. You have two. I also have two. And I noticed that many people who come to me, some of my clients, and they think that having the perfect setup is everything they need to learn to host a good podcast. I mean, like, it is important, but I think it's only 20% of the game. And uh, the 80% is the content you are producing and how good you are as a host, as a talk show host, you know, interviewing skills, listening skills, and improvising. And I think all of those skills that I developed as a teacher and uh, people ask me, hey, how can you talk to the camera? Because I have been teaching online classes also for quite a few semesters, years. So I developed that skill. You know, I can really talk a lot. And I also developed that skill as a teacher, you know, working with the students, talking to students, listening to their problems. So all those are very, very important life and soft skills. And I, I developed, developed those skills as a teacher. So I'm really thankful. But the things I do have to learn is how to run a business. <laughs> I have never run a business before. I mean, I, I built my brand and before I resigned, you know, but I think mostly I was a freelancer. I was already getting some client here and there, kind of uh, one hour and uh, like uh, coaching, things like that. But I never actively promoted my business like like a real business. So I had to work with coaches and mentors to help me understand the important uh, pieces uh, in running a business. And But that part, I feel like you can really learn and easily if you find a good coach. And uh, another thing, really challenging part for me is to overcome is to promote myself and to market myself and to charge people money for what I do. This part, I spend, I think I'm still working on it, but I'm so much better. But in the beginning, I couldn't charge people because coming from that educational background, I'm so used to serve. I mean, everything is a service, right? In higher education, I still remember before I resigned, I served on like five or 10 different committees, like, the school committee, the national committee, everything is a service. The more you serve, the better you are. The, the, the more broke you are and the more people love you. You are such a great teacher, right? Isn't that ridiculous? And uh, like, so I came from that rhetoric, right? So this part, oh, it is, I think, the hardest part for me to change, to shift. It's like a new paradigm. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of my interpretation you know teacher and entrepreneurship well, i love it so i, I got a couple notes here 
skills that academics bring to the table, you know, being able to design curriculum, research skills, writing, and researching, although you did mention that you need to, to change into another frame to be effective. So there's, there's writing for the sake of a journal article and there's writing for the sake of causing someone to, to change, which are two totally different things. You mentioned emotions as part of that. Interpersonal skills, um, improvisation, and you proved that because you lost power before we did this interview. So I think you're doing it over the phone and not your fancy um, podcast mic and, and setup. <laughs> but you also mentioned some challenges. And the big one that I started is, you know, was just the words, how to run a business. And you talked about some of the challenges that you've, you've overcome about promoting yourself, um, about maybe fighting back against the servitude sort of mentality. What are some other things that you've learned? Because um, I'm sure the audience is curious. They're hopefully riled up and saying, okay, I want to get into entrepreneurship. I want to do this. I've identified now what my skills are. But those gaps on the business side, what are those that you've learned now from doing this for a, for a while um, that others might be able to take from? So like, you know, I was teaching... Uh, social media marketing, uh, public relations. So as a traditional teacher, uh, you will teach students, you know, before you do anything, you have a business plan, right? And I still remember, you know, we have the four parts, you know, one, two, three, and four, and do this and then launch the business. And I don't think that really works in real life. So for me, is I kind of have an idea. I didn't really have a business plan. I kind of know I wanted to do this. So I actually used the market to validate my idea, I supposed to spend like a year to have the perfect business plan. And uh, so I think that is something I learned. And uh, even like, uh, so I officially resigned last year. I launched my very, in August, I resigned. And uh, so in December, I launched my very first program under Classroom Without Walls. And we actually did the immersion, the program in Singapore, in a different country. I don't know what I was thinking. It was really challenging, you know, 12 hours time difference, this and that. And, but the market actually doing that has given me so much clarity on how I want to run the next program and the feedback from the students, from the parents really helped me redesign the program. And also, uh, especially they're like, Last year, we had parents join the program and they, they came to me tears in their eyes. So like, thank you for changing my son, my daughter's life. That is such a great validation. And I just love that. So I think if you can, maybe you don't have to do something in a different country, but if you can design something small and don't try to spend so much time trying to make this perfect and try to launch it, you know, and your market will tell you, Oh, I love this. Oh, this oh totally disaster. I'm nobody's going to buy. Then you are actually saving your time and your money and to try to develop something else. So that is a common mistake I see uh, in many entrepreneurs. They spend so much time working on their business plan, working on that logo, working on this color, this, this, and that. I agree, all those pieces are very important, but I think the biggest piece is how good your product or services, and you want to validate that before you start working on your color, you know, your logo, your website, this and that. So I think that is something I'm proud of myself for being a, I'm a very extroverted person. So I love kind of, I'm just like taking action. So I'm really thankful for that. And so as a result of that, this year's program is completely, totally different. But without that, my very first program, I wouldn't be where I am today. So 
So the second common mistake I see uh, in many entrepreneurs and the people I work with is that you need to develop a methodology or a system or a pathway to explain what you do. Right. So start with your target audience, where they are, the pain points, the struggles, whatever they have, where they are, like a point and where they want to be a B point. So to help them from A to B and what is the bridge and the bridge is your service or product. Right. And oftentimes, even many people come to my show. I'm, I'm listening to them. I'm, I'm looking for a framework. And when you have a framework to explain what you do, uh, eventually you can actually remove yourself from the business. So it is actually not you that facilitate the transformation. It is actually the model, the framework, because the model is tested, it's proven, the model does the work. But I think so few people actually have a, a pathway, a methodology, a model that can accurately explain what they actually do and how they make the transformation happen. So for me right now, this is only kind of officially my first year. So I'm, I have a framework. I have a model. I'm kind of still validating my model, you know, making changes. It's getting better and better. So I think in the future, I'm going to have a few you know, I'm going to hire a few people to train them about my model. So that's how I can scale. So it's now me always have to show up, right? So for me, for people who want to work with me, that's the highest level of my product or service. But for people who can't afford it, there are cheaper and lower level where I have other people to teach the model. And so I think that understanding that is really, really important. And developing a model definitely takes time. But once you develop that, you can also gain clarity on actually what you do and explain what you do to others. Like, for example, last year when I launched my program, I didn't have a model. I was really having a hard time to get to, uh, to parents and students to join my program. So this year, after I developed the model, so much easier. And even like one mom, she told me, she said, I, last year, I had no idea what you were doing. And like the same, pro like similar program, but she was like, but most people have no idea what you do. Unless you are making an effort to educate people, you have a system, you explain this to people and people will actually understand. So you actually have to do the work to educate your audience regarding what you do. And the best way to educate your audience is actually you have a proven system, a model, a methodology, a pathway so I think that is so, so, so important. It's a big mistake I made, but I'm learning. No, thank you for sharing that. And I, I think that's exceptionally important. And I actually just finished last night reading Built to Sell, Creating a Business That, you can thrive, that can Thrive Without You by John Warrillo. And it goes through some of that process. It's not academically focused, obviously. It's um, designer focused. But the exact same concept. So make a system, then the system's so much easier to explain. And, and I, he doesn't talk about in that book about, he does a bit, I guess, but not the same way you said it, where the education component is so much easier when it's a one page, here's what I do. I think about like politics and I don't bring politics into the podcast very often. Um, but part of the difficulty I have with the system is it's very complicated to understand what, who's doing what. Just imagine if they just had a one page cut sheet that said, here's what I do or here's what I'm going to do. Um, that would, you know, cut through a lot of the, the fluff and same with your business. I mean, to say, this is what I do. 
going to have less of those moms or dads or kids that, that just bounce off of what you're trying to put out there because they have no clue what you're talking about. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. I, it took me some time to finally, now I can tell others what I do in three sentences, in one sentence and in three words. And uh, so people, oh yeah, makes sense. Right. It definitely takes some time, but yeah, now it's a new level of clarity on what I do. But yeah, totally. Most people have no idea what you do. I learned that. Well, yeah, I and I was going to say most family members won't understand anyway, but um, I do want to, so we talked a lot about entrepreneurship, about academic skills you bring to the table, about where your gaps might be if you're listening to this. Um, you have mentioned classroomwithoutwalls.ai a, a couple times, but I do want to give you a chance to talk a bit about that. What What is that? What kind of people you know, should be interested and, and just want to give you some space to, to talk about the great things you're doing there. Uh, thank you. So Classroom Without Walls is an alternative educational model. So we future-proof the next generation by teaching them what schools are not. And we have uh, three uh, important uh, elements in our curriculum. One is a new media. We work with the students uh, in terms of their relationship with the social media and technology. We train them to not only use social media as a way to passively consume, but to actually actively create. So each student um, in my program, they are actually launching a live streaming podcast, working on their LinkedIn profile, building their online presence, and practice digital networking. So that is one element. And the second element is life skills. And under life skill, we cover communication, collaboration, creativity, adaptability, and emotional intelligence. And last but not least is mindset. So we work with the students to really understand who are you, right? What are your core values? What is your strength? What is something you are so passionate about, you're so good at, and people are willing to pay for that. So we really work with the students and we also talk about uh, understanding their brain and how our brain works, like neuroplasticity and learn how to rewire their brain, do vision board and uh, affirmations, all those things. So that's kind of the three elements of my program. And I have, you know, talking about model, we have an iceberg model. So the tip of the iceberg is the traditional school-based learning. So underneath the tip of the iceberg is everything that we cover at Classroom Without Walls. And so I'm the, we follow a mixed age model because I don't like the traditional, you know, the same age group. So we take students from 13 above. So in my cohort right now, our youngest is 17 and our oldest is actually 48. And uh, really uh, remarkable to see the interaction between the younger students and the older ones. I just love this mixed age model, which works just like in real life. So students need to practice how to actually collaborate and communicate with people who are of different ages, different skin color. And because of like on technology, my program is really uh, international. And even for the life skill component, I brought uh, quite a few of my friends and students from Singapore. They actually joined us to practice you know, communication and to practice collaboration with my own students. And they also did uh, the final presentation was a live streaming showcase of their work. It was remarkable. And uh, so I'm the, so we do that mixed age model and uh, we call each other facilitators because I don't really like the stage on the stage. We are guide on the side. And uh, besides me, I'm kind of the lead uh, facilitator. I also have a group of digital mentors who come in, who cover different elements of the three components I shared with you earlier. 
No, that's excellent. And you can tell that you're, you, you have your one page um, description with the three key things. And I wanted, I didn't want, I don't want to put you on the spot to uh, test what you're just saying about, about defining your product and then being able to discuss, uh, discuss it, but you did, you did an excellent job. That was perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I, so we talked a lot about getting started in entrepreneurship, but I do want to for those that are running a business today, like myself and and others that we have in the, the self-tenure community and other groups for academic entrepreneurship that really want to learn how to increase their reach online so they get their business out there so they can do better things. I already mentioned that you're sort of everywhere and you've done you know a lot of interviews. Um, you have a really big LinkedIn uh, following that. For business owners like myself, what kind of recommendations do you have for increasing their reach and what should they be thinking about there? Yeah, actually, you know, I, I think in terms of models, I have another model to explain this. And this just makes everything so much easier. I have a 3C model to help people, which I also use to work with my clients. So besides joining my school, I also work uh, quite a few uh, one-on-one kind of coaching clients. And most of them actually in academia, learning how to transition out of it. And so I have a 3C model. My 3C model is really for those people who are kind of like new to social media, to the online space, want to learn how they can build an online brand. So the first C is to connect. And you want to connect to yourself, right? Ask yourself, you know, what is something? I don't know if you are familiar with the Japanese concept, uh, Aikigi. Yep. Uh, yeah, okay. So I will ask him so, uh, a few questions like, what is something you love, you're really good at? What is something that people will actually pay for this? You know, the market validation, all those things. So kind of connecting to who they are, understanding, like understanding their brand. So another thing is to connect with other people in the industry. So if you are if you are interested in starting an, uh, like a business, whatever. So let's say that you are interested in doing what I do. So the easiest way for you to gain ideas regarding what to do is to be a stalker. So I call this a, be a professional stalker. So you connect with those people, You come, especially on LinkedIn. One thing really, really powerful for people who really struggle to post their own content online is to comment on other people's content. Okay, not random people, but people in your specific industry. That's literally how I got started. I was interested in education, kind of entrepreneurship, social media marketing, and I commented on their post and not just like a one sentence comment, but like a three paragraph comment. Like for example, do you know Mark Schaefer? Yes. Yeah, so Mark Schaefer is a big name in like uh, in social media marketing. And uh, so I still remember a few years ago, I read his book. And uh, I was like, wow, this is such a great book. You know, how, how can I tell him? So I wrote a book review, like, like a, a blog article, a book review, a very long blog article talking about why three reasons every single professor teaching personal branding needs to adopt his book as a you know textbook. So after I wrote the article, I shared the article with him and he was like, oh my God, I this is crazy, blah, blah, blah. So I connect to them. I also, the second C is to contribute. So after you make that initial connection, you are actually contributing to their content, to their journey, to whatever they need, right? Like influencers, thought leaders, they're also human beings. And uh, like I contribute to Mark Schaefer's work by writing this blog article and he loved it. He was like, yeah, this is amazing. And to this day, we're like good friends. 
and he has come to my show quite a few times. And when we uh, meet up in person at different events, he will invite me to his VIP parties. It started with that blog article. So many people think that, oh, I need, I need to build my personal brand. I'm always thinking about what can this person do to me? What can that person do to me? It's always about me, 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 me. But I want you to shift that to look at the people in your industry. Again, you don't want to be all over the place. You want to really find your own niche. So in your specific industry, Okay, so who are the movers and shakers you really want to get their attention? So connect and then to contribute to their content, to their initiatives, whatever they are doing. And then the last step is my last C, which is to create. So once you follow this model, you know, you can really learning from others, building connection, contributing to other people's content, and you can slowly develop the content that you want to create to become a thought leader. So among all the social media channels uh, right now, my personal favorite is LinkedIn because the organic reach on LinkedIn is so much higher compared to Facebook, uh, different places. And almost all of my businesses come from LinkedIn. I'm just even, I actually posted this on LinkedIn a few days ago. I got so many comments on, on Facebook a few days ago, I closed a 40, 40K deal just with one client. Uh, remarkable. I was like, wow, this is crazy. And so LinkedIn and uh, if people can learn and be more active on LinkedIn, and I highly recommend using LinkedIn as a way to, to gain visibility, to grow your business, to generate impact and income. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. My, my business, our biggest social media channel is LinkedIn as well, and we've done videos work really well. It's kind of a boring space. So if you're willing to put yourself out there, certainly in the field of industrial safety, there's not a lot of other people creating educational videos. Um, so that's worked really well. But also, the like you're saying, the the connection, the contributing, the commenting on other people's work, um, it's a good platform. And I may I may reserve a chance to shoot you an email after and see if you want to come back on the podcast some point in the future to talk uh, LinkedIn because we're using it a lot. I know other academics would um, benefit from that as well. Totally, yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. And another thing I kind of to follow up, I didn't really have time to elaborate on the last C, which is to create. So what you can do is like once you develop your own pathway, uh, you can really start to create educational content. You know, whatever you know, start teaching others. Like right now I'm wrapping up my current cohort of my three months program. So I'm getting ready to uh, get parents uh, enroll their own children into my next program. So to do that, instead of always like, you know, hardcore promotion, I actually created a six part video live training series. So yesterday I had my very first training. I discussed the real danger of an exam-based education. So next week we're discussing social media. So I mapped out my content calendar and show up. I'm teaching my my uh, like pathway, my model. I'm also offering so much value to the parents who join my show. Even if they are not joining my program, they are loving it. They are tagging their own friends to watch it. And uh, organic marketing has really helped me a lot. And that's pretty much the only marketing I do, which is organic. And uh, sharing content, like teaching my heart out, teaching other people what I know, that's kind of how I'm slowly building my audience. And definitely my live streaming shows also helped a lot. Well, I love it. And you're, you're an inspiration, your work to me. And certainly I, I think you'll be an inspiration to the audience as well. If somebody is interested in you know, reaching out to you, talk entrepreneurship for academics to, to learn more about classroom with a walls.ai, um, just to learn more about your work in general, 
uh, where's the best spot for them to go to, to connect with you? Yeah, they can follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and then different social media channels. My handle is the same, A-I-A-D-D-Y-S-O-N-Z-H-A-N-G, and or email me, AI at classroomwithoutwas.ai. Yes, and we'll include links in the show notes um, at grablar.com slash 75 for I's LinkedIn profile on Twitter and, and the email there, and um, certainly your website, classroomwithoutwalls.ai. So Dr. I. Addison Zhang, I want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. Um, it's been a real pleasure, and I look forward to the chance to talk to you again in the future. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Thanks, I. We'll be talking soon. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney, and Dr. I. Addison Zhang from classroomwithoutwalls.ai. We've been talking about the role of academics and entrepreneurship, and we're talking all around her background, how she got into the field of teaching, how the field of teaching around public relations and communications and social media has changed over time, but also the challenges and difficulties she had with just the whole system for higher education, how that dealt out. And, and at the end of the day, she decided to strike it on her own after creating content in her space, after growing a following there. Um, and she's doing that now at classroomwithowalls.ai. She talked through some of the really interesting parts of getting started and these are the scary parts. These are the early days you've heard me talk about on the podcast where you you know, you know, have this desire, you start to build up what is the mission, what do I want to create in the world, um, how can I be remarkable. Then also take that next step. And for her, that was creating one and then two video podcasts and creating content or space, educating others. She shared her three C's model, which I thought was really great, connect, contribute, and create. And that's really good. You know, I would suggest that is really the place to get started today if you're trying to start down this track of entrepreneurship as an academic. We talk about some of the skills that academics bring to the table in this space, design curriculum, research skills, writing, technical research, interpersonal skills, improvisation. Uh, we also talked about some of the gaps and some of the challenges. And the big one that, that I identified was how to run a business. I mean, this is the, the question that uh, really led to us building self-tenure community at selftenure.com. And that's an entrepreneurship academic community. Um, for folks that are building online businesses with mastermind communities and private coaching and you know, all that stuff to help people there. But that was the question. If all these really smart people that are doing research that are wanting to make change in the world, but the business skills are missing, that's why we created that community there. So that was some of the challenges. And then we closed up with with Dr. I's kind of, uh, we'll call it her big platform today, which is Classroom Without Walls. And the work she's doing there, the work in teaching she had three key components in her classrooms, which included communication, life skills, and mindset. And she's really, I sound some good wording on her website. I can't think it's something like revolutionizing or upsetting, you know, the traditional model. So I was really excited to get her on. I was really inspired by this conversation that we had, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. So as always, you have the transcripts of this episode at grabblogger.com slash 75. It's a nice downloadable PDF. There was a ton of information and content in this episode, so you can go get that there. We'll also have links to uh, where you can find Dr. I and her different channels that she's available on there as well. 